This is Danny Jolkin, and you're listening to the Level Flight Podcast. Welcome into episode 69 of the Level Flight Podcast. If you're here on YouTube, you'll see Brian is back from the lake. We've got a full crew here today. Elliot is here once again with me. Brian and Elliot, how are we doing? Listen, no offense. I, I'm so happy to be back. I would much rather be at the lake. <laughs> it's it's so <laughs> quiet out you. there. Don't it's so you. peaceful. The most stressful thing I had to do was making sure the fire got started properly. It's, it was just perfect out there, uh, but without internet, obviously, I could not join uh, you guys. I was joining in the comment sections, obviously, if you were if you were watching uh, our first ever live stream, you saw me pop up there. Um, it may have shredded through my data, um, but <laughs> it, uh, you know, it was worth checking out. But uh, yeah, no, I'm good. I am, I am back and in the back half of reading week here. So the rest of my week is going to be spent doing schoolwork that I haven't done yet. So. Yep. Elliot. Yeah, I'm in the to finish co- complete what you just said, Brian. Yeah, we're kind of working on some schoolwork over here. Not really too much else going on. So, yeah, it's been a quiet week for us and I'm enjoying it. Um, school is going to get hectic here. The The reading week is always earlier in the second term for some reason. So it's going to be a sprint. But and the jet season is going to pick up. Uh, but they are fresh off of last night, a 6-3 win over the Minnesota Wild. Inside Canada Life Center, Gabriel Velarde scored twice. Sean Monahan scored again. The power play, both of Gabriel Velarde's goals were on the power play. Brassois with 36 saves. Um, there was a lot to like and a lot to not like from this game. Very similar to the Vancouver game that Elliot and I broke down on Sunday's live stream that Brian just mentioned. Um, but they bounced back after losing 6-3 to the Flames the day before. Um, episode 68 covered that one. So if you want our thoughts on that, go back and check that out. But a 6-3 win over the wild, a good bounce back game. I don't know, Brian, what did you see from this one? Uh, well, I mean, a lot of my uh, my analysis of it happened on a little bit of a watch back because I was listening to uh, Paul Edmonds on the radio. Um, only had access to four free preview channels out there in the middle of the winter. We cut off cable, so um didn't have a chance to watch but i listened but then i watched back and everything and was seeing a lot of what everyone else was seeing and i think the best way to describe this is one of those games where they capitalized on their opportunities when it mattered most and that was something we didn't see a lot of earlier in the year where if they didn't capitalize on the opportunities they they lost entirely there was nothing and it was uh, what they got outplayed they were just that was it they were outplayed for most if not all of this game uh but they still came away with the win. They took their foot off the gas a little bit there in the third, which was concerning. Um, But obviously it didn't end up mattering, but uh, yeah, there was, as you said, there was a lot to like a lot to dislike. Um, The thing that I'm so happy about though, is just seeing power play success. And what's nice about that is you're seeing uh, just, I truly think one, they're running it through Velarde more, 
which is I think a huge plus. But I think you're you're seeing obviously not to the same extent, but with what happened when the Jets had line A, you had so many legitimate shooting threats that the team had to leave one of them a little bit more open than the other. And you're seeing that now, I think, with uh, the way Monaghan is set up, where I don't think teams know exactly which one is going to be pulling the trigger. And I think it's it's helping. Um, but no, they're moving the puck around more, and I think that's the biggest thing. But yeah, running it through Velarde is allowing things to move up and down a little bit more, and I think that's that's huge. But yeah, we're going to get to it more, but there was there was definitely some stuff that, despite the success there are question marks. Yes, I agree. And to, to your point in the power play there, they've definitely found something with that triangle of the, you know, Shifley on the wall, Velarde at the side of the net, and then Monaghan in the bumper. Running everything through there is really working. But Elliot, what did you see from the, the 6-3 win on Tuesday night? It's really just an echo of what Brian said. Like, I think the Jets were just clinical when they needed to be. They got opportunities and they scored on them. And then when it came to... The power play, it, I think that the biggest thing was that um, they, they're they moving the puck around. There's options. And we're also seeing some positive progression. Not positive regression, positive progression. This That power play unit, especially the first one, which we see for like an entire minute and a half, it feels like, of every two-minute power play. Yeah. Um, they, they It really does seem like what we thought of at the early part of the year. They have a lot of talent. They have to find a way to score. Well, they're getting a couple better. They're getting the same types of looks when they, every time that the Jets have actually tried to move the puck, these are the looks they've gotten, but have been shut the door on. They're finally actually scoring. Like, I think we're getting a little bit more puck luck as much as they're moving the puck and adding Sean Monaghan is good. It really feels like they're turning the corner in terms of the puck luck. And so that's why the power play looks so hot is because, well, you can't go over 22 for forever, especially when some of those power plays, the Jets did actually generate something out of them and just couldn't score. So mm-hmm. most of those now have to turn into, especially with this talent. Okay, now you're going to go for this huge, what were they, like six for 11 stretch? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, like yeah. It, it had to happen at some point. That corner had to be turned. So, I mean, it's good to see. Obviously, we'll get into it in a minute. I'm sure Connor will bring up the hockey stat card. Um, there were a couple oh, yeah. guys we'll last that night that were on the score sheet that I don't think really had that good of games aside from those two minutes on those power plays. Yeah, the the top line definitely struggled at five on five. Gabriel Velarde, Rick Bonus said as much in the post game. Um, but just to wrap up, kind of the, our thoughts on the power play. It's it, like you said. Even if they're not generating and they're getting lucky, them getting lucky is better than whatever was happening over that last over 21 stretch because I like, you just got to take it at this point because we were sitting here weeks ago talking, or at least I was saying that the power play is going to cost them a playoff series and it very well still might, but at least now we've seen a stretch where, yeah, they picked it up and they went six for their last 11 and they, they got lucky and Kyle Connor hit Gabriel Velarde backdoor for that goal against uh, Minnesota there. And then, uh, Sean Monahan's working in the bumper. Like you're seeing steps of success. Yes, there are plays where they're getting lucky, but that's way better. Uh, and you have to take that than over what, whatever was happening because they couldn't enter the zone. They couldn't set up. They weren't generating. The list goes on. Uh, now they're doing a, a few things right and it's kind of snowballing in, in their favor. Let's get to that's enough on the power play. Let's get to their five on five game because 
it wasn't great. Let's start with the good. Uh, Adam Lowry's line was fantastic. Lowry, Niederreiter, and Appleton. Appleton scored the Jets' second goal of the game. That's his 10th of the year. Uh, then Niederreiter scored an empty net goal, took a semi-hard wrist shot into the empty net. You know, should have been ripped. considered controversial. <laughs> he should have absolutely it. wound up. Against the Wild, wind it up. Yeah. I also um, really applaud the uh, I applaud the Jets' Twitter admin for for posting when he scored Nino calmly puts into the back of the net. I love when they get in on stuff like that. It's my oh, favorite. Every Everyone's going to be dunking on the Leafs for that forever. Like at least for the rest of this season, every empty net goal, it's going to be like, Oh, they scored it the right way and whatever. Um, but yeah, against the wild on a, on a Tuesday night, wind that thing up. I, I wish he did take the slap shot. <laughs> the third line was great. Let, let's bring up the hockey stat card. Um, yeah, Nino Niederreiter, Adam Lowry at the top, the Jets' second pairing as well. Neil Pionk and Brendan Dillon, very good bounce back game after a really rough performance in Calgary. Absolute like, disaster class for yes. Pionk against Calgary. Yeah, they that pairing was really they really struggled against Calgary, but they bounced back on this night. And then you see Gabriel Velarde, Kyle Connor, and Mark Scheifele, who just kind of scored put up points but gave up a lot um the other way especially at five on five and uh and, and morrissey and Demello being down there too is pretty uncharacteristic but what did you guys see point. yeah what what stands out on this card and in, in relation to what you guys saw brian i'll start with you uh biggest thing for me is the fact that the top line is scoring in spite of them not being able to generate essentially anything, they are getting absolutely shelled in every you know meaning of that word. Um, and a lot of their success, you know, as a line hasn't actually come when they've been, you know, as you know, as a five on five line. They've put up a lot of points on the power play just with that little grouping there. And they have got some stuff five on five, but uh, they are getting brutally outshot, they're getting brutally outchanced. And so you're seeing it there on the stat card where they might be doing something offensively, but they're giving it right back. So it's, it's essentially you're, you're running at the very least a, a net zero. And that's been the case a lot. And you see a lot of the times too, with the five on five goal differentials with a lot of these guys in this year, where essentially they can score as much as they want. A lot of the times they're not outweighing the negative. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I think the biggest thing to me that I take away from this is you look at it. Obviously you see that on the card, there is the defense for individual defense and the different color for on ice defense. I have to say it is quite interesting that Mark Shifley comes up in positive on individual defense, but obviously his line on on ice defense defense above average is not good. Like it's the worst out of the three. So I have to, I wondering, obviously this can be a whole nother conversation and you can say, oh, it was the entire line. But who really is causing those issues? Is it a bad game from Velarde, which who is normally a better defensive player who is didn't wasn't on his game and so the line really fell down? Was it Mark Shifley? Not obvious, obviously, it's hard to say it's Shifley because he had a good individual game or an okay individual game according to the stat card. Or is it Kyle Connor, right? Like who doesn't even register any sort of individual defense positive or negative right obviously we know yeah. Velarde will um will always be more into that positive defensively we know he's a better defensive player 
But was a bad game from him the reason why that entire line got shelled? I don't know. But I just think looking at the individual numbers, you'd really have to watch back the game and go, okay, who made the most mistakes? Was it the entire line? Was it each one of them? Or was it one person making a mistake, which meant that another person had to overcorrect and make another mistake, right? Mm -hmm. But that's something you'd have to go back and watch the game for. But it's just interesting. Yeah, no, that is interesting. And it's something to watch with Gabriel Velarde as well, because for the, uh, like, they've been doing this a lot, Rick Bonus and his coaching staff, where the last two shifts, three shifts of the game when the Jets are protecting a lead, they're rolling Connor and Shifley with Ayafalo instead of Velarde. Um, and like we said, start the year, his analytics, defensive analytics were good. When he got hurt and then came back, we thought he looked good defensively when he came back and then obviously went on that offensive tear, so it didn't really matter. Um, but now here we are again, and he's getting pulled in late games for Alex Iafalo. Um, so I, I, I don't know if that's they, they just prefer Iafalo defensively to Velarde, or if they really don't like what Velarde's doing in the in the defensive end. But it's definitely something to watch for going forward because they they have done it. A couple I games think it's also how they deploy game. that that three. I think it's the way they deploy that trio as that's their offense or the way that Bonus likes to deploy them is that's their offensive generating line that's not a line that he really wants like protecting a lead or you know and i don't know what it is like you said maybe it is velardi he doesn't like defensively but we know velardi's a good defender so i i don't i don't know if it's the way he's deploying them if it's the mentality he's got them under where it's like it's all about offense don't worry about you know making mistakes i don't know about that he, he wasn't too that. happy <laughs> yeah well but but know. you but you get what i'm but they also weren't generating yeah. at five on five either right like he said they played bad five on yeah. five i think he i think if the jets score like once on the power play and the rest of their goals came five on five i don't think he says any i think he says they have a good game i think it's because they got hemmed in their own zone they really didn't generate anything on five on five offense and then you know, the then obviously you look at the card and go, okay, well, they didn't really do anything other than the power play, right? So it, right. it is what it, it is what it is, but it's something definitely to watch to see if anything changes. Yeah. And just real quick on that top line, uh, they got out Corsi'd 21 to 7, and the high danger chances were 6 1, not in their favor, of course, um, at five on five. So again, a, a rough game from that line for sure without a doubt. And uh, we will need to see it at five on five going forward. The power plays come alive. That's good. Um, But this is a problem. And and the second line hasn't been much better, to be honest. Well, they've Uh, gone from being an absolute dominant team at five on five and an absolute garbage special teams team. Now they're scoring at will on the power play, apparently, and they can't play at five on five. So it completely the, flipped. It's wild. the it's interesting wild. thing will be: can they find a balance of the two? Can they be well, a they, top five defensive team with above or average special teams? Right, like that. That is the key. I don't think they'll be the best five on five team if they're gonna try to get above average or average special teams. Yeah, and I think that this upcoming stretch is gonna be huge because they need to get back to that and they need to find that balance, like you said. Um, but there, there are other things we want to talk about, but let's take our ad break here. Um, DraftKings sponsoring this episode. Thank you once again. Um, come back. We'll, we'll, we'll be here after the break talking about some of the discourse online of what Jets fans are up in arms about. So, um, we'll, we'll get into that, but, uh, stick around right after this. 
We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code THPN. New customers bet $5 on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights reserved. And welcome back into episode 69 of the Level Flight Podcast. We've got a lot to get to here. A lot of discourse on Twitter. It's just... (laughs) It's a lot. Like, it's it's really just a lot. The Cole Perfetti stuff, the Nikolai Ehlers stuff. It's just, Who else it's it just be a about? lot. Yeah. Oh, I guess, we, I mean, the only other player could be about this Villy Hainel. Other than that, it's really... Right. Well, Logan Stanley did play. I guess, we did, I guess we didn't mention that. Logan Stanley did play. Um, and Rick Bonus said they weren't going to let him go that long without playing again. Um, so, expect to see more Logan Stanley going forward. Anyway. Expect to see more unuseless fights? What? Yeah, that was a weird fight because Middleton like wasn't even like he was checking on Shifley and then dropped the gloves. It was weird. Anyways, um, the top line, the configuration, we've been all pretty vocal. We, Elliot and I talked about it on both the live and our uh, episode 68. We want to see Ehlers, Shifley, Velarde. That was a dominant top line. Um, Got to see, you know, in a, in a five on five slump that the Jets are on. It'd be nice to see if that would give them a bit of a shot offensively um but again last night was another example where the jets don't trust cole perfetti or nikolai ehlers they were i believe uh late in the third period or middle of the third period it was rasmus kapari was the lowest time on ice and then the next two were perfetti and ehlers so yeah they're basically playing fourth line minutes um which is ridiculous to to say but it's happening and uh that rick bonus called them out before the Calgary game in a, in a way kind of saying their puck management isn't, isn't where he wants it to be. Brian, what do you think kind of the solution is here? Like you, you, outside of the Ehlers, Shifley, Velarde top six configuration, because we spent a lot of time on that. What do you think? Is there anything else that the Jets could maybe look to, to get both Perfetti and Ehlers going because they're not, they're not rolling right now. I, I, Truly believe, and I've I've been doing a lot of looking into this, and I'm I'm watching some shifts, and I'm not sure those two are right for each other's wing. I don't think their game style pairs well together. Perfetti's very methodical. He's very, I'm going to set someone up, and I'm going to find the open ice. Ehlers is the one who creates the open ice when he has the puck. And mm. so you're kind of looking at two different sort of clashing styles there. And ultimately what you're seeing from that is two players with styles that don't necessarily mesh with a new player, with a new center. Yeah. And yeah. that line hasn't really clicked like you'd like. Obviously Monahan scored last night, but you want to see more. But I also don't think the solution is benching them. 
because yeah. you're also getting to a point too where it cannot be great for team morale when you know your coach comes out calls you out by name uh essentially saying we can't just give minutes to guys and you know everyone has to be accountable and then there's situations where you know you see games 10 times as worse in terms of you know not putting in the effort not playing the the, the correct way um you know absolute chaos defensively you know giveaways and everything and nothing ever happens like yeah. there is there is no reasonable explanation as to why just two guys are the ones who are being made an example of but i i truly think that part of the solution going forward is to actually hold guys accountable because let's be real obviously he had a bounce back game there's no reason that nate schmidt should be coming out after that one it should have been neil pionk like you're not going to healthy scratch one of the top line guys, but there are a lot of shifts where I see Kyle Connor just not put in the effort, which is the whole thing with bonus at the very least. You should see him dropped a line or two for a couple shifts, send a message. Um, Ehlers. I, I understand he's, he's not performing to his best. I also think that's just because of a lack of ice time. And I think two things can be true. One, he's a hell of a player who makes a lot of players better and he makes that top line better. Uh, but also that he's someone who, you know, sometimes needs the ice time to get to that level. But what I don't think is helping is you, you know, singling him and Perfetti out, holding them accountable, but letting other guys make all these mistakes and facing absolutely zero repercussions for it. Yeah, and uh, a guy we interview a lot, Murata Tesh of The Athletic, had a piece on that today. Go read it if you have a subscription. If not, get one. He's one of my favorite Jets writers to read. Um, and he had a piece on it. And I think what you said about Ehlers there on, you know, he's a good player. He makes top line better. We know that. He's also not playing to the best of his abilities and ice time is affecting that. I think Cole Perfetti in a way, the discourse surrounding him is that and you said this, Brian, as well, and I'm sure Elliot shares the same thought, but a lot of the discourse is either he's not being used enough because he's like the next coming of, I don't know, Blake Wheeler, but in a smaller body. Um, and he's like, he needs to be top line minutes and is the best playmaker on the Jets. Or he's too small, he's too slow, and he's not even an NHL player. The Jets should trade him, and maybe they should send him down to the Moose to, to get his game right. Like, it's just so far, so far out there on both like, sides. There's a legitimate nuanced discussion that can be had, and no one's yes. willing to have it. A great thread on this, and if you haven't seen it yet, I would recommend it, is from our friend Liz. Uh, we had her on the pod. Um, she put together a incredibly nuanced thread about how Cole Perfetti's performance and his style, it, it, why it's very similar to, you know, a situation where you want to see guys play more um, because you know that they're going to make other guys play better with them, but you can never know that for certain unless you do play them. Right. And yes, yeah, so I'd recommend going to check that out because it was a great way of sort of breaking it down because I think everyone's aware that Cole Perfetti has not been, you know, playing the best as of late, but I also don't think it's a reach to say you put him in bigger minutes and he actually has more chances to generate and, you know, obviously different line makeups and everything. 
suddenly he might be a different looking player again, something that we saw at the beginning of the year. Uh, but yeah, I, the, the whole choose a side and fight for it thing is getting real old. And it's also a fact that obviously I'm a huge, uh, you know, very, very much in favor of <laughs> saying that you can critique a team regardless of if they're winning or not. I always think that there's room for improvement always, but there's a difference between that and essentially being like, they're winning the wrong way. Let me pick apart every little thing that's going wrong. You have to be realistic here. Like you can scream all you want online. Um, and like, I'll, I'll complain about it as much as the next person. But what I'm also realizing is we are in February. Rick bonus is not suddenly going to change his opinion on Cole Perfetti and Nikolai Ehlers. So yeah, it's it's going to take a lot more than just you know getting upset about it. Obviously, there are legitimate concerns, and I share those. But we got to realize that they're winning, yes, the wrong way. But at some point or another, something's either going to break in the wrong way or the right way, and that's what's going to be big. I don't agree with bonuses on ice, you know, decisions a lot of the time, but we have to see what happens when you know they reach that breaking point, whether it's good or bad. Sort of what the next steps are. Yeah. Yeah. Elliot, go ahead on the healers. Yeah. Yeah. This is hard to like take to the next level here. Jeez. I'm, I have to go second and I don't know how to, yeah. I don't know how to like even get to that same level. Brian was just talking at, but I'm going to try anyway. I, I think, <laughs> I think the biggest thing here is the way that Rick bonus sees that second line when it was with Nemestikov or with Monahan is, Perfetti and Ehlers will only get extra ice time if they are producing points. That is how Rick Bonus sees both of them. I, I hate to say that because you shouldn't be that way, but that is how he treats them. When Nikolai Ehlers was playing well at the beginning of the year, same with Cole Perfetti, he said they both had stuff to work on, but he said they're playing well right now. Well, as soon as the points dried up, it was, oh, they're not playing well. You know, I can't give them ice time, but, 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 but. So you you can't you can't do that if you're a coach. You give absolutely no confidence to the player. You essentially tell them it's like win or bust, essentially, right? You either are putting up over point a game or and you're gonna get close to 20 minutes of ice time, or I'm not gonna play you at all if you're not producing anything. And I'm not gonna even give you the chance to try to produce. Like, I'm sorry, I love the third line of Lowry. Nina Ryder and Appleton. Well, Nina Ryder and Lowry. We're not even going to get into Appleton. Um, but scored, man, <laughs> just scored. I, I he's been much better as of late. There was there was a dog days there when he was when he was getting played like the most. He was struggling and it was puzzling. But now he's actually decent. he's also anyway, taking one timers from position. one knee like he's Alexander Ovechkin, and I just don't know what to do. Um, anyway, the point I'm trying to make is is that line is good. But they are a defensive line. And I get it. If another team is throwing their first line over the boards a lot, okay, fine. Keep sending out Lowry and Niederreiter if you just want them to shut them down and you're winning. That's okay. But it doesn't mean you need to cut ice time from two guys that, yes, may have differing play styles, but they both know how to generate in different ways. And you need to get those players out there because the biggest thing I've always learned from being in sports is you never take your foot off the gas pedal. Even look at last night. The Jets were up 5-1. They took the, their foot off the gas pedal. They allowed two. What if that game was a 4-2 hockey game? You're tied at 4-4 yeah. now. 
right? Like it, it's a completely different scenario if the score is different, right? And I get they're up by four. Maybe guys relax a little bit, but you don't play Ehlers and Perfetti. Well, they can't go out there and continue to create. That when we went up four, I thought that was the perfect time. I was actually seeing with my girlfriend's dad actually at the time watching the game, and he even turned to me and said, "Hey, we were talking about Perfetti Ehlers not getting ice time. This would be the perfect time for them to get ice because mm-hmm. you're up by four. You don't really have much to lose. Well, they play almost the least amount that they played even in a long time. Like they were hitting at least fourteen and a half for a while. They were barely got over thirteen for both of them. So I." Yeah. I don't know what Rick Bonus is doing. I get, I, I get his seems to be his philosophy of if they're scoring, po- if they are accumulating points, they need more ice time. If they're not accumulating points, they get less ice time. And I don't think it's the way to coach your players. You are killing their confidence. They will have no confidence to feel like they can go out there and do their job. This is a job for them. If you don't give somebody the opportunity to do their job. Do you think they're going to want to do their job when they actually get the opportunity? Yeah. Um, Perfetti and Ehlers are, are not getting played and, and they're yeah. In the wild game, like I said, they were bottom three in time on ice. I don't know if that's how the game ended, um, but I'm sure if, if I checked, I wouldn't see Cole Perfetti's name or Nikolai Ehlers name popping up in the last five minutes when the jets were protecting a lead. Um, One, one more thing I want to say with the, the online, uh, Twitter discourse. And there was a time this season where the Jets were the number one team in the NHL. They were rolling teams at five on five, um, like r- roughly the winter break, where the vibes were amazing. Everyone loved each other. Everyone um, was willing to have nuanced discussions about things because why not? The Jets are the number one team in the league. Oh, yeah, I can recognize the fact that Perfetti's a talented player, but he's also got things to work on and struggling because the Jets are winning, so it doesn't matter. They're still first in the central in points percentage. Uh, they're coming off a win where all I saw online was people complaining, and it's because, what, they had a 57... or a, they, they lost the expected goals battle 57% to 43%. Give me a break. I I, I hate... I, I absolutely despise that. Yes, the Jets are not at the same level 5-on-5, five five, that they were at during the winter break when they beat Boston 5-1. I can recognize that. But acting like they're just some bum team that um, <laughs> forgot how to win hockey games is, is unbelievable. And yes, Perfetti and Ehlers are not playing well right now, but they're incredibly talented players who have shown this season that they, are, that they are, they do have the ability to play at that level. And I, I'm certain they'll get back to it. And the, the discourse that the, the Jets top line is terrible despite the like the vancouver game sure they got shelled at five on five they're also the reason they won that game like they they are the reason they won the game you you you, like you just can't replicate what they did in that third period i don't care that they lost the Corsi battle 21 to to 14 or whatever the final number was in the vancouver game they won that game in the third period um you you look at the wild game velarde scores twice cal connor scores sean monahan scores here we are talking about how terrible the top six has been, but they're scoring goals. They're producing. They're starting to score. Remember when they couldn't score like two weeks ago? Like I think the the analytics and they're helpful. And at the end of the day, production is all that matters. And the fact that these guys are scoring right now and that winning, it's all that really matters. And the process does matter. And I think if they stick with it and the process stays bad, it will hurt them. 
but right now it's not hurting them. So you can't like, and then, and then this gets into a whole nother discussion where the Jets will win six, three. And all you'll see on Twitter is people go, Oh, why won't the media hold Rick bonuses feet to the fire on Nikolai Ehlers being a top line center. You want us to sit there after they've won be like, Rick, I know you won and put up six goals tonight, but why didn't you play? Like what? What? Like that makes no sense. Also watch. I'm going on a long rant now. Also watch the videos from practice because during practice, when Rick bonuses availabilities are 10 minutes and he talks a lot, that is when media actually asks, asks the questions. Scott Billick had an entire article on why isn't Nikolai Ehlers on the top line? Well, guess where, guess where he got those quotes from? From Rick Bonus after practice, when he brought up stats, he asked three questions about it. He held his feet to the fire as people want all the time on on Twitter, but people just don't want to hear that. They want they want the the immediate after the game. They want media to sit there and get into a shouting match with Rick Bonus after they won six three. It's it's unbelievable, and it's it's my biggest pet peeve as someone who's going into the media field. It's just it's unbelievable. It, people it, on Twitter want you to lose your credentials every single game. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's hilarious. And, uh, and look, I'm not against asking tough questions, but there's a time and a place after a six, three win, you're not going to ask about Nikolai Ehlers ice time. Um, unless he got benched the next day at practice, you can say, Rick, it's been three straight games where Nikolai Ehlers isn't playing that much. What's going on there. And then you can have a nuanced discussion about it. Like we've been saying, not an emotional discussion after a game when everyone's emotional on Twitter after a win. Rant over. I, I yeah. I'm done. I, I'm just so done. I'm so. I feel like I'm, that's a good word. It would just like cap yeah. off the episode. There. Yeah. Yeah. I got yeah. nothing else to say. Yeah. I. I. I'm, my I'm only done. thing is, done. as much as we can sit here and complain, this is the only thing that matters. At the end of the day, and look. And oh, look, that's when they, and that's all and when they, lost, about, they don't care. And when they when they lost and they lost badly to Calgary, Rick Bonus after the game said that was as soft as a five on five game we played all year. He called the team out. That was terrible. We were terrible. That didn't even look like the Winnipeg Jets, quote unquote, is what he said. Yeah. So it's not like this team is he's sitting up there going, Oh yeah, I I, I didn't play Nikolai Ehlers, but I, I know everything I'm doing. No, he goes, This team didn't look like itself tonight. And then the next night, when they took advantage of their opportunities, they didn't play their best five on five game. Bonus recognized that as well. The Jets aren't sitting up there saying, oh, we're the best team ever. We're playing as good as we have all year. They're saying, yeah, we've got things to work on. We're not playing as good at five on five. We're giving up too many grade A chances because they are. That's what's yeah. happening. And it's top to bottom. It's not just because Nikolai Ehlers isn't playing enough. It's everyone. So I yeah. that it's, that's my teams go through lulls. Teams can't be perfect all season. Long season. That, Long people season. are human beings. God, I, I've had this. I was trying to think about it today. I don't know what's worse, KU basketball Twitter or Jets Twitter. And I think it's a but really like close Twitter, discussion here. To bring it back to the start of my point, Jets Twitter was like a peaceful, blissful place where people could have nuanced discussions over the Because they didn't want to be like era. the other franchises. The, the saxophone squirtle era, if we remember that. That's like a thing of the past. But when that was around, everyone was loving life and everyone loved each other on Twitter. Now it's they just complaining about the special teams, but for the most now part, you it was point, now better. you point at now you point out that like Cole Perfetti and Ehlers are struggling and like maybe that's why bonus isn't playing them as much and you're like the biggest hater in the world or vice versa. Uh, I'm 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 done. Whatever. Like yeah. I'm sorry. Like <laughs> you if you listen to any of our episodes of the past month, yeah. We we are some of the biggest 
uh, you know, questioners of why Rick Bonus is making the decisions he is because they don't make sense. But we're also realizing that, you know, the fact that they're winning, nothing's going to change. If they go on a long losing streak, you're going to see something change. But things will change. Obviously, we we know most people know they're not winning in a clean way right now. But they have done that in the past. They had a full half of the season where they were winning the right way, and you know, ten games after a, a long break, we can sit here and say, yeah, that this is not the team that we saw early on. And obviously, we're going, we're gonna keep, you know, calling people out if they keep making dumb decisions. But like, nothing's gonna happen until they go on a, you know, some sort of long losing streak, or they're gonna improve, and everything's gonna stay the same. Yelling about it isn't doing anything. Having discussions, though, is a really great way of letting your feelings out. Yeah. Yes. And, and this I, team didn't start that well this year. Like, we know that they didn't have a flying yeah. start. They got flying, like, five games in, five, ten games in. So, you need people need to temper their expectations. If they're doing this in, like, the dog days of April, where we're, like, hitting game 78 and we're still complaining about this, okay, then, yeah, maybe it is going to become a big problem. But right now, like Brian just said, they're coming off the All-Star break. They're just trying to get back their legs underneath them. Some of them probably weren't really doing too much. Like, it, we need to wait. There, there needs to be some patience. And I know patience in this day and age is a virtue because nobody has any because of what technology has done to us. That's a whole different discussion. But <laughs> level flight it. technology discussion. Yes. No. Um, <laughs> I, I, the last thing I'll say is just. The answers that you're looking for regarding these players and these this discourse from the coach are out there. So go and look for them because it is there. Scott Billick will ask. He asked. He brought up stats. He used natural stat trick, which everyone on Twitter like is like the be all end all is natural stat trick. He brings that up. He brought up the the goal differential when Ehlers was, Ehlers was on the top line. He asked multiple questions about bonus. Bonus said puck management isn't good enough. Oh, we like them on the second line because it's about balance. You don't like that answer? You're not the head coach. Plain and simple. Like, uh, I the answers are it's out the there. Answer you get. He's you being get. asked. He's being asked, and he's answering, and that's all you can do. I, I hate the whole. The media is not asking the because we are. Like, I'm sorry, but I'm there. People are asking about it. It's it, Ehlers isn't playing that much. That's a big story. He's a top six winger on this team. Cole Perfetti's the future of the Winnipeg Jets. Like this is a big story and it's being asked about. We've gone okay. way over on this. We've gone yeah. way over. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyways, let's, let's get out of here. We we've gone time, way time too to... long, but it was, <laughs> it was rant time. Um, yeah. And we don't have an episode until Sunday morning. Um, until then the Jets will play Friday night against Connor Bedard and the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, but join us for our second LFP live Sunday morning, 9am. Thank you to everyone who came out the first time. Second time, Brian will be there. Um, be we'll there. have the full crew, I believe, if Elliot's there as well. We'll, I'm hoping we'll, we'll so, be there. Hopefully. Okay. Well, we're we're hoping. Let's let's do it. Um, yeah, join us for the second LFP Live. That was a that was a blast, and we're so excited to do that going forward. The Jets play Sunday, so we'll maybe first half break down the Chicago game, second half, preview the Coyotes game. Um, but come by, throw in a comment, um, and hang out with us Sunday morning. We we would really appreciate it. But from Brian, Elliot, and I. Thank you for watching and listening to episode 69 of the Level Flight Podcast. We will see you Sunday morning. Have a great couple days, everyone. You're listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network.